Hello, welcome back to the podcast after so many months. <laughs> Sorry about that. We went off grid for a while, but in return, we have something pretty unique because this is a podcast that's being shot across two continents. I said shot because we're on Zoom. <laughs> I know we're only going to use the audio, but it's across two continents and we're separated by six hours of time difference. So, so right now here it's 6 p.m. and in Portugal and your time zone. I'm in India and it's almost 11.30 p.m. So that was our main problem. First, trying to find out how to do this over Zoom and then finding schedules with the time difference. To do it. Yeah, it's just like I had to go to India. I got deported by the Portuguese government. So <laughs> I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I just had my first wedding anniversary. So that was great. That's all I can say. Uh, but yeah, that kind of kept us from not able, being able to record for a while. But we're back and we've got some cool things for you. Yeah, we're going to talk about the upcoming Harry Potter reunion in the 1st of January and do a little bit of a rant on that. And then we're going to review for you the the last duel, uh, the Ridley Scott movie that came out last month. Let's jump on to our first segment. I just remembered I one of the, the the previous or the episode before the fourth episode we were talking about the friends reunion right because they came back after 20 years and everything isn't mm-hmm. it kind of ironic that we're almost having a reunion of the podcast in the year in which the podcast was launched <laughs> we didn't have an episode for so long we've had more breaks than episodes I think whose fault is that it's not my fault <laughs> no I'm yeah. kidding it's both our fault yeah but at least we made it before yeah. the 20 year 20 year reunion of Harry Potter which is happening yeah. soon. Oh, I'm man. so excited. I'm excited for that one. I'm so excited. What do you feel though about JK Rowling not really being involved with it? I mean it's it's, it's kind of weird. I mean she did create the the story, the world, the characters. It's kind of weird that we're celebrating something she did without her. It's weird. I get the controversy and I get that what she said should not have been said at all. But it it's it feels weird to celebrate someone's work without their presence. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's because it falls in such a... It's, it's a difficult thing to talk about also. Because I'm okay with celebrating the, the art of people who just ended up being dickheads, right? Because... Well, we do that. Sometimes you just have to do that. Yeah. A lot of male artists, especially painters, they were super misogynist. Yeah. Or if you take any Woody Allen movie and you remember it fondly, what do you do in that case, right? So, or Roman Polanski or any of these dudes. Um, yeah. One of my favorite movies is from Roman Polanski. The Pianist? No. Which one is it? Yeah. The Pianist. I love that movie. And it's kind of hard because I stopped watching his movies. Like I didn't lo- watch the last one because I'm I don't want to watch it and like it. Basically, I don't want to support him in any way. But it, a lot of people were involved in the movie, but now it's tainted somehow. That's how I feel about Woody Allen as well. But for 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 a long time and before any of this happened, I remember when I was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, I really enjoyed his movies especially um i love midnight in paris for some reason i don't know why i mean it, it's like a very nice movie i like and that I one to, also i used to really enjoy watching it but yeah now I, I i i don't think i can watch 
He has some weird ones. He has some weird movies. There's a in a lot of his movies, there is a relationship between an older man and a younger woman. That it's icky. It's either a, some kind of subconscious expression of guilt or it's a, it's a sort of cocky. They'll never know, right? And you don't know what he's doing or he's doing both. Or maybe for him, he might not be. He might not see it as a bad thing. Of course he doesn't. So it's not like he's hiding yeah. it. He's just putting on the screen, what replicating what he does in his life. It's his it's his perspective in some I guess. way, right? And he, he just tries to sell that. Yeah. I think I think the with the case of Rowling, it's it's a little harder to tangibilize the damage of what she did, right? I mean, she did multiple things, so Yeah, she insisted and she kept insisting on on that one point and then again and again when she should have just like backed off had a conversation with somebody you know gotten her facts together in in place but i think because it ha- all of that happened purely on twitter it's it's just <laughs> like a strange it's difficult to tangibilize it like what is the damage that she did like you have a notion that it probably was not good i haven't read the last book she wrote and there the synonym but it was also about a killer in drag but i haven't read the book so i don't know how the subject is handled so i can't like you can't judge without actual reading it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It, it's odd. I, I find it very odd, to, <laughs> to be honest. If she's not, I think she's not going to be there because Warner Brothers probably doesn't want to do no, anything she's not. with her. I mean, I don't feel sorry for her. She made so much money. So her money should help. Yeah, she's rich enough that nobody needs to feel bad for her. Like, it's not like, oh, poor J.K. Rowling. It's just, I think I think what, what makes it all sort of like a weird icky mix is that like you don't really feel bad for her as such because okay she has a pretty privileged position but on the other hand you know Warner Brothers is going to release Fantastic Beasts 3, 4, 5 and she's deeply involved in those things three, four, so you five? have this giant corporation trying to like I thought it was a trilogy yeah there's going to be 5 of the Oh my God, it's five no, movies. No, there's going to be five movies. So they're obviously trying to cash in on the stuff that she made. And then it's like this giant, you know, operation sort of doing this. And so you're like, fuck these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're not willing to ditch her work. They just want, they're willing to take on her work and keep making all this money in her name. But they don't want to keep her. I don't know. I fuck mean, it, it's she's just, still getting paid. <laughs> it's still her work. And she's probably making it. Yeah, shit ton of money. Exactly. Even if she's not the public face of it anymore. She wrote the story. What what really is the value of their conviction? You know? Yeah, exactly. Everyone is making money (laughs) off her, off her work, including her. But she's canceled. It's weird. So weird. This cancel cancel culture. Very weird. Yeah, and you don't know if like her her opinions on this subject were so far. I mean, I guess they were because even after a lot of people tried to point her in the right direction, she kept insisting on her her specific perspective. But like, is she really beyond any redemption? Like, is it impossible for her to talk to somebody and like I don't know, empathize and become better? I have a different question. What if she writes another book about something in the wizarding world, like she did with Fantastic Beasts and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? If she releases a new book, are people not going to read it? Are people not going to buy it? Because right now we're just talking about the things that already came out. That is, uh, yeah, what about what about what's up in the future, right? Yeah. Damn. I would That's probably tricky... read it. I don't know if I would. I would. But it's one of my favorite worlds. So it's it's kind of hard for me not to because I I love the world I love I like the way she writes <laughs> in the, 
in the Harry Potter a, context. I haven't read anything else she wrote. Just Harry I, I read Potter. one of her. I read one of her novels with the with the detective, the the Robert Galbraith or whatever uh, series. Did you like it? It was pretty good, also. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah, I don't know. I I I haven't. Cooled off on Harry Potter as such, but I've found that everything that came out after the original seven was a bit. It started getting a bit too convoluted for me, and I didn't quite like the the second Fantastic Beast movie. Also, so it, I I started feeling a long time back that you know Warner Brothers was just like sort of trying to cash in on on the stuff. And what was the what was the play in which it turns out that Voldemort and Bellatrix has this, the curse child was the play right okay that yeah. was a play it's not really a book it was not written by it's, her uh, it, I mean, it was written <laughs> but by that her. was it started doing too much for me it was written by her was it yeah no yes i don't think so i think so i, I think I i've think read the, play, the script already the screenplay and the play itself yes i've i've read it what is it called harry potter harry and potter the and Church. the curse it, it just kind of threw me off the whole thing for a bit I, it says look it's a two-part play written by jack but Thorne. it's based on her story oh, based on an original story with two other writers john tiffany and jack thorne so he jack, jack thorne, thorne wrote the play jack thorne related to Kip thorne? based on a story that he helped write with J.K. Rowling, I'll guess. I mean, it's a very small story. It's very quick. Like, I read it in a day or less. Yeah, it was small. It was a small book and it was quick also. So I, I probably don't know if I would read another book that came out. Uh, mostly because after the seven, I, I kind of cooled off on it. If it's part of the original series and she's like, this is the definitive continuation of the story of Harry Potter and whoever, that would complicate things. If it's just like, here's another book set in the Harry Potter world. I think I would just at this point, maybe stay away because I'd be like, whatever, <laughs> I don't need to support this anymore. I like the wizarding world too much. I would probably read it. Was it was very well written. I would probably read it. Isn't it odd that it uh, for her time, J.K. Rowling was almost kind of progressive because of Dumbledore and his relationship with uh, what's really. that dude's name? Almost, I said almost because it, it was still set within like a, none of the actual students in Hogwarts had like uh, were homosexual, so I guess that didn't really. No, no, but in the original, in the seven books, there is no mention that Dumbledore is gay. Zero. She said it He's... afterwards. It's not oh, in any yeah, of the books. So technically, in the, books. in the original series, there's not much progression in in that department. Zero. Oh yeah, dude. And there's some problematic characters in the books, honestly. <laughs> like um, like some of the Cho Chang. Yeah, and also the the two Indian girls. Yeah, I don't. Cho Chang yeah, she is didn't... an awful name for. <laughs> It is. It's an awful name. It's actually, I think it's like two first names together, something like that, like yeah. Cho and Chang. That would not be a real name of a person. <laughs> but also the fact that the ca character is Asian and super quiet and like there's no much character development to her. Not really. Just, she was a just like a cute a Asian shy girl there for girl, Harry's yeah, life. That Harry has a crush on. Only in Fantastic Beasts, there's actual reference to the romance between Dumbledore and the bad guy that I can't remember the name. Hey, wait, in, in Harry Potter 7, though, I, I guess not. They don't explicitly talk about it. But when he when he talks about his relationship with Grindelwald and what happened to his sister 
Ari Ariana. Oh, but that's not said by Albus. That's said by brother. Aberfrog. Yeah, by the brother. That's said by his brother. But there are some letters by Albus. It's really difficult to go back to the things you liked as a kid with this sort of you have a different perspective of the world right now and if you take that back and look at the things because we I don't think we scrutinized or were aware enough to look for those things when we were kids right we would latch on to the good parts and then we would just run with it It's, it's not just uh, we were kids 20 years ago uh, media was not scrutinized the yeah, way it is Yeah our awareness now. of that also helped because if it came out now i mean it is a children's book so maybe it wouldn't be scrutinized when it comes to the fact that no characters is gay because technically it is a children's book but people would probably pressure her like in one of the books for her to have at least a gay character yeah especially because the book does go into i mean it's set in that period which is ripe for that sort of um well honest representation of what is a pre adult life um so i think she wouldn't be able to write those books now with years 4 5 and 6 where she talks about like the romantic uh, sexual development of these characters and then not have a character who's not what, what what's the word for i can't recall who's not uh, But basically it's super not realistic in a cast of dozens and dozens of characters. No, There's only one that it's gay. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not realistic. It's it's a high there's school. There's only one that it's gay and in no part in the original series there's an actual moment where you see that side of the character. Yeah. So Wow. None of this is going to make me buy the next book. <laughs> if if there is another book, this is not helping. I was already like deciding on not buying it. I'll be like uh, I'm I'm just I'm very curious. I would like to know even right. if I don't like it. I'm just like going to get an excerpt. I would like to know what you. what it's like. Oh my god. Wow. What did this how did this start? We were talking about reunions and then we <laughs> Oh, who's your favorite Harry Potter my character? My favorite Harry Potter character is Ooh, give me a second to think. Okay, but favorite Harry Potter character who's not Harry, Hermione or Ron or because I mean those are too easy to pick. Yeah, mine is is not. If I had to pick one of the three, it would be Hermione. If I had to pick one of the three, it would be. I think it would be a tie between Harry and Hermione. Can't be a tie. You have to pick one. Hermione. Ah, <laughs> knew it. <laughs> If it's not one of the three, I like Sirius Black a lot. I like Lupin a lot. Who else do I like? I like McGonagall. She's cool. She Moody is, cool. is very cool also. I don't know one of those four. Bill Weasley is awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Molly is great. <laughs> They're all good, man. I I I I like Kingsley. I like Kingsley Shacklebolt. He's cool. Who is that? He's their friend who was from the Order of Phoenix and also works for the Ministry. Oh, I remember. I remember. Okay, okay. With the blue robes, he wears the blue robes. Yeah, 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 I remember. All dude, yeah. I like Luna Lovegood. She's very quirky. Oh, she's very quirky. she's just herself throughout every scene. <laughs> She doesn't care. <laughs> Luna's cool. Luna's a very cool character. We just got too deep into Harry Potter. Damn it. Let's see if we can quickly talk about one of the movies then. Okay. So, The Last Duel came out in 2021 it's directed by Ridley Scott 
I has a wonderful cast with Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jodie Comer, and Ben Affleck. Those are the main four characters. And it is a true story about a woman who accuses another man of rape. Uh, and the king uh, declares that there should be a, a, a duel to settle the matter of her innocence or guilt. And the duel is between the woman's husband and this man, right? Who are both knights in medieval France. Yeah. The actual setting of the movie being in medieval France is completely irrelevant when you think about it. Mostly because none of them has any hint of an accent or anything. Like there's, there's very little. Do they have a French? No, they have accents. They have weird accents. Matt Damon has a weird accent in the movie. It was British. They did a, yeah, they did an English no, accent, no, no. all of them. They had accents, just none of them were French. <laughs> they kind of did an yeah. English accent at some point. The King did that better with uh, Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson. At least Robert Pattinson was doing like, was it a good accent? No, but at least... It was an over-the-top French accent. <laughs> so the French characters have accents in that movie. Like Lily Rose Depp has French accent. Robert Pattinson has French accent. That makes at least some sense. An epic set in medieval France in which the characters have... It's it's really strange. British accents, it's weird. <laughs> but you know what? That is... It kind of takes you out of the movie for me. It does. That's what I was going to say. Well, I went to watch it with my brother here. Oddly enough, though, that's probably the only... One of the few bad things about the movie. Because I really liked it otherwise. That part kept pulling me out. Especially like when you have blonde Ben Affleck as like this French... <laughs> overlord it's good on him for picking a character that sort of fits his public image because i think people just think he's a dickhead right now uh so it, it was kind of meta he's very good at playing dicks like he does in gone girl his character is a bit of a dick yeah and it suits him like a glove <laughs> so i i really wa enjoyed watching him in the in the movie and it, it fit like that yeah that kind of stupid vacuous kind of dumb character uh it, it suits him that's so sad <laughs> But we love you, Ben. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I liked him. I liked him as Batman. He was cool. I felt I felt bad for him. I didn't like him as Batman. What? I did not. I never liked him as Batman. Never. <sighs> tangents on this. Bring back Christian There's Bale. So many tangents. Oh, well, if you've My seen. Batman is Christian Bale. I think Robert Pattinson is going to kill it in this one but i hope so otherwise I'm, I'm for me too christian bale is is the is the bad so let's come back to the last two what did you think about the movie i thought they did a i don't i actually don't know if the book is written like this in like the three perspectives i kind of want to find out because this is based on a, a book and the book is based on a true story um and i kind of wanted to know if the book also has the the three chapters basically the film is divided in three chapters and we see the same timeline in each chapter but to the eyes of someone else so chapter one we see matt damon's timeline as jean de carouge and then chapter two we see adam driver's timeline uh, jacques Ligri. and and then we get the final uh, chapter which is mark marguerite's chapter uh, jody comer's character and you see how different 
the story is through someone else's eyes. I think that part was very well handled. And I it's something that I hadn't seen before. Like if they just did the one point of view, it would have been like a normal historical medieval drama that we've seen a lot of. Yeah, I really enjoyed that also. And, and, and I think they were different enough that it kept it interesting throughout when we finished the the first part when i was watching it and we finished the first part and then you start seeing again the the second part and then as you're closing in on the point at which you knew the 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 first perspective ended of matt damon's character i was a bit hesitant because i was thinking that oh now we're gonna see the same thing a bit again it's gonna start feeling a bit repetitive on the third time and then that's really when the movie lands because from jody comer's character's perspective who is perhaps the most reliable of the three in the um, in terms of the character that you could trust a bit more to be objective about what has been happening you realize how misleading the other two perspectives have been or how shockingly different her perspective was as someone who effectively underwent all of this difficulty these trials these tribulations because of this fight between two men these two friends um and i think that's where the movie really elevated to another level for me in that third act because at the end of the second i was excited i thought it was cool but i was worried the third one wasn't going to be that much more different but they really nailed that perspective and you know there were discussions about if ridley scott can accurately portray the perspective of of a woman or not in terms of the script they asked a woman to write uh, Marguerite's chapter. That part, I think it was better that it was written by a woman than by Ben or Matt. <laughs> yeah, so they did, you know, they were aware enough to, to do that, right? And it shows through, um, I, don't, I don't know how the, how the story is in the book, but, but it really lands on you because you see, just taking Matt Damon's character, for example, in, in his version of events, he's this heroic good guy Matt Damon and Adam Driver are knights in the French kingdom and they've been friends for for a long time but what happens is Adam Driver's character starts gaining more influence because despite coming from not a very high background he's clever he's very intelligent he's very ambitious he's thought of as someone very good looking and he keeps gaining higher levels of influence with the with the knighthood and with the king Uh, of France at that he gains a lot of favor with the count that's played by played by Ben Affleck who does not like at all Matt Damon's character at all which also doesn't help he creates a, a riff in the friendship of Matt yeah, and Adam, Adam Driver is put in charge of handling the the finances he has to go to the different um forts and and collect the taxes for the count and that puts him at odds with Matt Damon at the same time he sort of takes a liking to Matt Damon's wife and it just kind of escalates from there like the the dislike between the two characters and Adam Driver's infatuation with Jody Comer's character and it really finishes off with basically him abusing her and she takes the step of stepping out publicly and accusing him which is not something they would do in medieval France creates a lot of drama because what they find out when they manage to somehow get in an audience with the king is that the decision will not be based on anything rather just a duel between her husband between Matt Damon and Adam Driver's character 
and the outcome of the duel will determine if she was telling the truth or not and if Matt Damon loses she will be killed by the guillotine so yeah the stakes are pretty <laughs> crazy on this one and by my Matt Damon losing we mean he dies is a duel until the death so basically if Matt Damon dies she also dies and she's labeled as guilty exactly and if the opposite happens then she's labeled as innocent it's such a random way to decide if someone has been raped or not it has nothing to do with trying to find out the truth trying to find out anything it's just this barbaric sort of scenario and then we see all of these things play out right before the duel from everybody's perspective mad damon who sees himself as this heroic husband who always loved for his wife and when the moment came for him to stand up for her he supported her without ever questioning anything and he trusted her and you you see him as the superheroic dude and he's like very kind and very sweet with her at least that's how he sees himself and then you see adam driver who from his perspective First of all Matt Damon is a complete doofus. He doesn't know what he's doing. He rushes into battles. He's hot-headed. He fights with everybody and he also thinks that Marguerite played by Jodie Comer is unhappy in their marriage and she has the hots for him. Yeah, that she's giving him signs that she wants him, that she likes him. That was such a typical male thing <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> that I had, I had a lot of fun just watching that play out because I that is like an exact replica of so many real life situations that I know of where it's like people just doing the same shit it's like oh she likes me because she drank uh, water while looking at me or something I think it's interesting because a lot of people and maybe a lot of men who are accused of rape tend to say oh no but it was consensual we did it but she was into it she liked it and here you get to see like what this guy sees that's not there yeah that's not there at all like it, interpreting every single movement that in the third chapter we find out is driven by something else entirely it's you, first you figure out that jodi comer is the one who's sort of the most intelligent of the three helping matt damon putting his affairs into order with his uh, fort that is not been running very well she's been helping him what do you say glue over some of the problems he's been having with the count and she counsels him to go and make it up to adam driver in this marriage ceremony that's there of one of their friends and all of these things where adam driver thought that she was just dancing with matt damon and looking at him and then you see from her perspective that she's talking to matt damon about him and saying that okay he's kind of like a, a dick he's a bit of a flirt but he's we can do better than him and then you realize oh shit this dude is so blinded by his infatuation that he doesn't see or when he goes to the their fort their castle and jodi comer is alone there and she tries to rush up the stairs to run away from him you see in her perspective the fear right that she's rushing she slips and her shoe falls off and in the second adam driver's perspective she gently took off the shoe and kept it there as an invitation for him to walk up the stairs and it's fucking crazy man that that was done so well a woman running for from you but it in a flirtatious way and not like oh i'm running for my life <laughs> and you realize at the end it's never really been about her it's not about finding justice for her it's not about trying to find out the truth it's really just about the egos of these two men 
I mean, we know the duel is going to happen. So we can talk overall everything leading up to the duel. Yeah. It is a true story. So you can find out what's the result of the duel, but we won't mention it Fair here. Enough. That's the spoiler we will avoid. Yeah, I think outside of the, the result, I mean, even if you take into factor the, the result of the duel, you sort of see that at some point, all of the agency over this matter has been taken away from her. It's all about the ego of these two guys. The people who turn up are just turning up either to support uh, Matt Damon or Adam Driver. She's just lost in that whole equation. The king was bored, so he sat up. He asked for a duel because he was like, whatever. <laughs> he's, a, he's a 16 or 17-year-old, <laughs> which is funny. It, it reminded me of Joffrey. Yeah, it was very similar. Who I guess is based on these young French kings. Who have a lot of power. <laughs> Who grew up with a lot of power. But I, it made you think, right? It was more about her husband's honor, about the fact that she was raped, the fact that she was violated. It was not about her. He was just defending his honor, not her honor. There was, there was no interest in trying to resolve her trauma or bring anybody to justice over it. It just gets caught up in, in all of this. And I think uh, kudos to the full team because they did a great job with that the acting was really good those little differences between the three perspectives where you see the same scenes again and again but they've still managed to find a way to keep it interesting it was framed a little differently the emotions were a bit different the dialogues were more or less the same but told in a different manner the inflection like all the little changes they were done so well i really liked it yeah and i think it's important I, the main criticism I've seen of the movies, people say, why do we need the point of view of these two guys in the movie? Why isn't the whole movie about Marguerite? And I think their point of view adds to her story. You see, you first you understand better why they act the way they are. And then you have the extra level of everything that she goes to is more than what just what they showed us because we know how they see themselves and it changed the way you look at a situation it makes you look at the details it makes you think there's no one truth there's multiple sides to every story so we got to see all sides to the story it's taking away from the movie if you just show her point of view yeah and if you take you know if you draw that out to the real world also the fact is that it will be a sort of he said she said scenario and it will be a comparison between those two perspectives there's no witnesses she was alone in the house uh so it's basically her word against his word yeah so seeing both perspectives i think it's important you can make your own decision you can choose to align with what he saw technically because there's the three point of views but you get to see everyone's point of view and then make your decision choose your truth that is you you know what's super interesting about that both in my case and also for my brother for some reason we were very inclined to just take the third part as the, the most accurate same with me same with me it was interesting. And now when you mention it, I realize that that's not necessary, right? Technically, they're all three perspectives. So in a way, each of them is biased towards its uh, lead character. But yeah, like you said, I think society also preps men in a way to think in that manner, right? So I feel like there's always another layer mm -hmm. to the perspective of the, the man. If you take like a really he said, she said situation. You have to unpack all of this societal packaging that's given to the man 
and to arrive at the truth because probably a lot of these people are not very different from Adam Driver where they're just I don't know seeing the world through this lens where everything revolves around them and every action is is done to them and everybody wants them and you know even when they say no it's not really a no they were just playing I feel like a lot of people I know think like that a lot of guys I've come across in my life wouldn't think much differently and it's kind of scary and that's why in a lot of these public cases where you you sit and, and you see that it's always like oh but what about his career what about his image and blah 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 and and you always see this and, and no one really tries to understand nobody's coming out and gaining anything from telling this story man like so like people are not inclined to as a, as a, at large i still think society even today outside of certain circles in the media or people like us who are a bit more liberal minded are not inclined to believe the women it's like ah oh, why did she tell her just now why did it come out the other immediately why didn't you go to the police she wants money she wants attention i, I don't know would anyone want this because she was traumatized <laughs> and people le- deal with trauma in different ways and with different timelines <laughs> no but i get it and the the media conversation is a lot around the the fact that the person who's being accused that their life is being ruined and not about the fact that a life was already ruined because of what that person did it kind of makes it sound like the guy's life is more valuable and has more potential than the the girl's life which is fucked up do you want to talk about the Ridley Scott controversy or not about the the Marvel thing no what is the Ridley Scott controversy I think it's related to the Marvel thing. Didn't he say something like, "Oh, people don't watch good movies or people have bad taste because they don't go watch his movie. They just go watch Marvel stuff." He said something like that, right? I've been I've been thinking about that recently because uh, if you've seen the box office this week, Spider-Man made about I think it's in line to make about 250 or 260 million dollars. Uh in the pandemic, that's a pandemic record. but in general that's that's the third highest third or fourth highest opening weekend of all time in the the north american box office and worldwide it's on track to make around 500 million i think that with streaming and this ties in a bit to to streaming as well which is that i i just don't see how a movie that is on a budget between 10 and 100 million dollars which is not this big marvel type spectacle is going to attract people to come out of their houses and go and i think the pandemic sort of gives you a a good baseline or a a better proxy than just saying people are lazy because now actually there's a risk to go out of the house right and when there is a risk to go out of the house you see that people are willing to step out but if it's a big spectacle movie and if it's a small movie or a smaller scale of storytelling uh they'd rather watch it on netflix Yeah. Yeah, he blamed millennials uh for the fact that the movie tanked on the box office. I think he he expected this to be an Oscar movie and so he expected like Oscar movie hype behind it and then when it didn't happen he got he had a bit of a childish attitude. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people in the movie industry saying this like I make the movie what people get out of it it's what people get out of it when it's out there it's out there it's 
you can't really control it, how people are going to react to it, if people are going to like it or not. You can't blame them for not wanting to watch it. Yeah, you can't blame people, especially in this time. Like they, they're, they're always grappling with the risk when they're stepping out of the house, right? So basically, I, I think you have to frame it within the context of the pandemic. Also, the fact that uh, I think Warner Brothers put it out also. It's a Warner Brothers movie, right? And it came out day and date on uh, Max. I think it was just in the movies. No. I don't think it was in streaming. But I also think it's important to say that when it's a original movie, when there's no IP, much harder to sell the movie. Like a Marvel movie, people know what they're going to get. So if they liked one, they're probably going to like the next one. And in a medieval French movie, it's harder to sell for people to want to watch it because they don't know what they're going to get. Also, it's about a tough subject matter so people might not want to watch that type of movie it's a harder subject to want to watch a movie about yeah you you're not guaranteed that you're going to get enjoyable experience out of this film and that's tricky again there's a pandemic going on so i i don't blame anybody i don't want to go watch a shitty movie right now i, I don't want to go to a theater and risk you know getting an infection and also not enjoy the movie <laughs> So I think he's reading a little too much into that. Like, I don't know what he was expecting people to do. The timing was probably bad. And it's not just that. There are a lot of good movies that don't make the money that they thought they were going to make. In this, It does not mean that the movie is not good. This movie is very good. It's just it didn't connect with people, maybe in terms of marketing, the way it was marketed. I knew about the movie, but I actually didn't see a lot of marketing going around for a movie that has Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in it. I saw the trailer for the movie one week before the movie came out. I think the studios are also trying not to... The marketing budgets can go a bit out of hand. Mm -hmm. And I think the studios are trying not to really let that happen. Because if this movie, what, costs 60, 70 million? 60, 70 million is like a reasonably common marketing budget. So effectively, you're going to double your cost with this movie. And you don't even know if it's going to make it back. I think they just tried to bring it into the theaters, had like one week of uh, marketing behind it. Nothing very crazy. I didn't see a lot of interviews or anything in the channels that we follow. There was not a lot of hype. Mm -hmm. And they hoped that word of mouth would pull the people in. It just didn't happen. Maybe it'll make them reconsider a bit of the financing situation because I'm sure a good portion of the budget of the movie was just all the actors' salaries. So maybe they can just, you know, not spend that much money on the salaries if, if they know it's not going to recover in this kind of a movie easily. If it, if it makes it tougher for you to get your money back, you should not be spending. If the stars are not okay, that just leaves Marvel and DC for them. Studios are not going to make these kinds of movies anymore. It's a 20th studio. It pretty much was destined to sink because of that. It's sad. I wish more people had seen it. But it's it's tough. You can't control what people want to go and see. You know, I mean, we, we talk about this, right? Wanting to support like better movies and making sure that other movies of those kinds can be made. But that's a lot to ask from your audience. Yeah. I tried to watch horror movies in the cinema just to support the movie itself. So when you're going to the cinema, you're picking where you want to put your money. So you're showing 
what you actually want to watch. So it's sad that this type of movie doesn't get seen by more people, but I don't think blaming the audience is the solution. Yeah, and if the audience has to go support a movie, honestly, I don't think it's like a Ridley Scott movie that needs to go and get the support. Like if you're, it's good for anyone who's listening, if you're, if you try to branch out and, and go and support more movies from independent filmmakers and, you know, people who are up and coming who need that support really, because Ridley Scott will survive and he'll get, you know, another script, make another movie. He, he did make did. another movie, House of Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Adam Driver again. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's pretty well said. Uh, it's important if you can, if you're willing to, you should make that effort in, in any uh, sort of entertainment you consume, whether it's music, movies. Yeah, by all means, do it. Every person decides for their own. And sometimes you just want to go watch Spider-Man, you know. I, I guess it's not, you can't, you can't force that on anyone. We we just disagree with Ridley Scott on that. So how do we rate it? Let's give it a standard rating. Let's do a standard rating. No problem. This one, I think this is too touchy and too, so like too sensitive uh, topic that the movie deals with to make like a strange rating system. I, I can say what I what I gave it on Letterboxd. I give it Go a it. four out of five, which means I really liked it because I it's very hard for me to give a four. <laughs> I would give it a four out of five. I think it was very good. It makes you think a lot. The experience inside the cinema was great. The cinematography was very good. The acting was good. Some of the choices overall were a bit odd and pull you out of the movie from time to time which is like the british accent in medieval france situation but otherwise it's a great movie it's kind of funny when they try to say each other's names but none of them speak french and the names are all french oh god yeah all the locations are in french and, and in the middle of this british accent they just switch over to this bad french pronunciation that's why i didn't even try to say any of their names you can do it try try it oh try god. saying adam driver's character name no, no. try it i'll practice it later it's okay matt damon's character i don't even want to Nobody got it right in the movie. I know enough to know that it doesn't sound right. I just don't want to make the same mistake. If I was going to say it, but I'm I'm learning French, so I'm not a French speaker. I would say like Jean de Carouge. That's how I would say it. I, that's not how they said it in the movie <laughs> at all. That's pretty accurate. All right, nice. We're going to bring back a game we've played before. It's called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. But without Kevin Bacon. We're, we're playing it without Kevin Newbrick. Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's going to be six degrees between <laughs> a set of actors or actresses. And we can never use Kevin Bacon to connect them. Okay, so I'm going to go and set up a random actor generator here. And let me just set this up. Let's okay, see. Okay, I'm ready. Random males in my area. All right, I have two for you. All right. Number one is Edward James Almost, And number two is Robert De Niro. Wasn't this a game that we played together? Uh, yes. It was not a competition. Okay. No, I can because help you it a was... Bit then. It's very hard to make it a competition because you're thinking out loud to make the connections okay i know who edward james almost is he was who is he in dexter season four <laughs> that's so specific i haven't watched dexter 
or season no season five. He was in season six of Dexter as. That's uh, not helping. He was one of these cult killers, but his apprentice his was name? Edward Colin Hanks, Edward James almost. Hey, you can't Google, man. That, that's helping with the game. I just want to see his his face. I just want to see his face. I'm not right. doing anything else. I don't know him. <laughs> He's been with Michael C. Hall and Colin Hanks in Dexter. That's someone well, we can try Hanks to connect. Colin Hanks is in Dexter. I didn't know Colin. Yeah, Hanks he was the apprentice was... of this cult killer this played guy. by Edward James. Okay. Almost, yeah. He It doesn't help because that I Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall has mostly done TV, so it's kind of hard to connect it to Mo- Robert De Niro, who has mostly done movies. Uh, has Robert De Niro ever done TV? I don't think so. He's just movie, movie, no. movie. He's done a lot of like weird movies now that he's gotten older. So I think we can pull in somebody from some of one of his newer movies, like the comedies that he did, Bad Grandpa and, and stuff like that. There, there is one in which he's with the uh, Adam Devine. Wait, Colin Hanks uh-huh. is in a Dwayne Johnson movie. No pain, no gain. No, the race ooh, to which mountain? Ah, uh, Jumanji. He's in Jumanji one. Oh, Colin he's in Jumanji. Is in he's Jumanji. the older version. He's the older version of Nick Jonas, right? Exactly. So Colin Hanks is in Jumanji. With Way mm-hmm. The Rock Johnson, who is with okay. Zac Efron on Baywatch, who is in a comedy with Robert De Niro. Bad Grandpa, done. How many connections yeah, was that? Okay, Edward James almost. James almost. Colin Hanks is one through I'm Dexter. Four. Jumanji yeah. is two to Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson to Zac Efron is three. Baywatch and Zac Efron to. Robert De Niro is four from Bad Grandpa. Nice. Yeah, man, it was the first good. movie I thought of with Colin. I feel I feel like my trivia muscles are getting loose again. This is great. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do okay. Let's do three of them. So I have here Clive Owen, Clive Owen, Owen, yeah, and uh, Owen, Oscar Owen. Isaac. Okay. Clive Owen is in what? The Nick. The the Nick. Okay, but I don't know who else is in the Nick. I only know Clive Owen is in the Nick, what? so that doesn't what help. What the hell is Clive Owen done? He's like then? in King Arthur with Kieran Knightley. He's in that Julia Hop- uh, Roberts sexy movie that I can't remember the name. <laughs> what is of the it? Julia Roberts sexy movie? The one with the where Natalie Portman wears a wig and someone is having an affair or multiple people are having affairs. I don't the, know. I haven't the, the watched Zach it. The Zach Braff movie in which Natalie Portman is a stripper or something. No, 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 not the Zach Braff. No, 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 no. It's a movie with Clive Owen, Julia Roberts, uh, Natalie Portman, and someone else. It's four four people movie. I don't know who the fourth is. Is it called Closer? Um, yes, that's the one. Why do I remember that's this movie? Okay, well, that's already two famous people. Yeah, but I'm trying to think what which famous people has well, Oscar Isaac. Natalie Portman is in Star it. Wars. I okay, it. go I for it. it. Go I for found it. it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. She is in the Star Wars prequels, uh, but who is in the star in both the prequels and the new ones? 
Can I say? Can Leia I say, is not in the prequels. Can I add? Can I add a little? Uh, I believe at the end of Rise of Skywalker, when uh, Rey is fighting Palpatine and she hears the voices from the Force or whatever, one of the voices is of Natalie Portman. So that does not count. You that does not count. It doesn't count. You don't. You're not even sure. You're like, I believe that her voice showed up in the movie. <laughs> okay, well, Palatine is in Ian McDermott is in all the movies, so you can connect Ian McDermott to the prequels, and then you can connect him okay. to uh, Rise of Skywalker, where you have Oscar Isaac. So we got it in two connections. Three. 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 Yeah, three connections. Okay, this one was easy. Come on, another, another one. one. Let's okay, do okay, it. Let's go. Last one. Because he had a Star Wars actor. It's, it makes it easier when they're like in a big franchise. Who is not a Star Wars or a Marvel actor these days? Robert De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's try this. Hey, you asked. I answered. William <laughs> William H Macy. With okay, shameless. Owen Wilson. They must no. They must have done movies together. For sure, they've, they've done a movie together, no? They, they, should, they should have been brothers in at least one movie. He's in Fargo. He's in Fargo, yes. Who else is in Fargo? I, has, Owen Wilson, has Owen Wilson ever done... Wait, Owen Wilson. You said Owen Wilson, right? Yeah. He's in the... He's pre, I'm pretty sure he's in the French Dispatch, right? Because all of his friends are in the... French Dispatch. Wait, if we, yeah. if, but if we don't know, we can't use it. I don't know if he's in the French Dispatch. I assume I'm he pretty would be sure he's in something. the French. Yeah, dispatch. but if we Google it, that's cheating, so we can't. Do you know for sure? I don't know. I am ninety-five percent sure. But are you hundred percent? If you're not hundred percent sure, man, I I wanted to do in one connection. That way, I can do one connection. What is the second connection? Francis McDormand is in the French it's, French Dispatch. No, it's just one. I think so too. Ninety-five oh. percent sure. I think Fran- <laughs> the French Dispatch. I know for sure has Timothy Chalamet, and no, it has a lot of people. It has Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse it has Ronan. Benicio del Toro. It has Bill Murray. It has like there's a lot of people in that movie. I think Tilda Swinton is also in it. I mean, if not one, it's going to be two. Like right? it has a lot of because people. you have Francis McDormand, William H Macy. In Fargo, and Francis McDormand was mm-hmm. in Three Billboards outside. Missouri. Yeah, but Owen Wilson is not in that one. He's not. Sam Rockwell is in that one. That's two. I don't think that helps us. Sam Rockwell <laughs> and Owen Wilson have not done anything together. We need to no. We need to try to connect Francis McDormand that does similar movies to to Owen Wilson when he is in the what's it called when he's in the director Wes Anderson yeah so they do similar movies so they probably work with some of the same people who is that Frances McDormand what other movies has she done I can't remember she did Nomadland but I think she was pretty much the only yeah but she's pretty much alone in that one Uh, she did a lot of Cohen movies like Brother Cohen she did Burn After Reading. Burn After Reading has George Clooney she, and Brad Pitt. Okay. And Brad Pitt, Keep yes. Going. I, I thought of Owen Wilson is in Armageddon. There's a lot of people in Armageddon. Armageddon is good. 
Wait, Steve Buscemi is in Armageddon. Is Steve Buscemi in Fargo? I'm not sure. Steve Buscemi is. I'm less sure than the French. What's the thing. movie with the dude? What's sure. the movie with the dude? Owen Wilson is. Owen Wilson is in the French Dispatch. You're making me doubt myself. He, of But course, he is. But what about Frances McDormand? She's also in the French Dispatch. Oh, nice! Told you. That's not bad, dude. I mean, I mean, they're in similar movies. They make similar type we're, of. We're we're coming back after two or yeah. three months. Do we do one more? Do we do uh, actresses now? Okay, I got it. Random actress, go. Let's see who we get. All right, the last one for the day, and the last one for the day is Vera Farmiga and Julie Andrews. Ooh. I like this. Okay. Julie Andrews is in Sound of Music, Princess Diaries. What else? She's in more stuff. She's Mary Poppins. Uh she's in something else also. Dude, I know. I have an answer. Wait, let me It's think. It's one movie connection. <laughs> what? You want movie me to save it connection? for the big reveal or can I say it right now? So they're All not right. in the same movie. They just oh, shared no, the screen dude, with dude. the same person. Okay. Did I help at all at all by saying what Julie Andrews has been in? Nope. You you remember that time we were playing Trivial Pursuit and um <laughs> for some reason the answer was Dame Julie Andrews and I just couldn't remember her name and then I took I think pretty much all of the legal time available to answer a question in Trivial Pursuit and right when everyone else was just fed up and they were about it I got it right. I think it was more epic for you. You you made it happen you for yourself at the last minute. That's why you remember it, Nami. It's because I remember I kept saying that she was the monster octopus crab thing in Aquaman. What? She was not a thing. Yeah. Yep. That is the thing. She was the kraken not a kraken it's called something aquaman brings her out at the end of the movie and who's in aquaman you have patrick wilson as aquaman's brother and patrick wilson of course He's is with vera farmiga in the conjuring. in those conjuring in movies? the conjuring movies yes I, i i need to check this like i don't believe that she's in in that movie dame julie andrews is the voice of the monster what? i don't remember what the monster is called it's called karatan like karatan yeah but has a name so karatan oh i didn't know she voiced yeah, well, a weird character in yakuma what she did dude oh finally i knew i knew that that moment in my life was going to come back to play an important role somewhere <laughs> so i'm happy I was like trying to think if Anne Hathaway and Vera Farmiga had been in anything together and you already knew. <laughs> so now we've reached the end of the pod- podcast. Thank you for joining and listening to us. Hope you enjoyed it. Come back in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, come back in two weeks. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. This was The Movie, the movie Boy. Boy.